The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Good game's fast game, fun. Yeah, well, Ben's complaining about having to go. No, go, go. You guys start. I'm just texting. Just go. Wow, he's very. Edgy, I'll pick it he? up. He's I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'll get it just real fast. <laughs> very well. Okay. Tēnā koutou gatoa. This is gone by lunchtime on the morning of September the twenty eighth, twenty twenty two. Thank you to Tiahe Butler, our producer, back on deck. Mm. Thank you to King Charles the Third. Is our head of state. Kia ora. Thank you to the bad boys of Brexit. Aww. Thank you to spin-off members. Mm. The wind beneath our wings. Mm. Ben Thomas is here. Annabelle Lee Mather is here. And uh, Daylight Savings has shaken their cause, respectively. Mm. We Before we get into it, and we will get into it, a quick mention of our, um, our uh, live podcast that we're doing on October the 16th at the, oh, Escape, at the yeah. Escape Festival in Tauranga. Yes. Have you got that in your diary, Ben? Uh, <laughs> 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 it is now. <laughs> Pride of place. Good. I'm definitely going to be there. It's going to be a good weekend. Um, Do you think we're going to need security to like, so we're not mauled by our no, fan base? By, the, by the, the lunchtime stands. It's going to be like when the Beatles came. Yeah. The um, what can we call it? The lunch, the lunch, the gone. No, it's not coming. This is the kind of magic that we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That you can see paying, live. Paying their money for. I mean, this is like when this is like the when unedited. Paul McCartney came up with "Get Back" live mm. on camera. The, the the unedited like pod, like the live experience, is six hours long with like twenty minutes of salvageable material. Yeah, it's Thanks. a good question though. Yeah, yeah. Real the, BTS. If the real pod has the cornies. What does mm. God My Lunchtime have? What's the real pod? Yeah, good, good question. I don't know. Yes. The, at the Gone By Lunchtime live event in Tauranga, Jan Tanetti, rising star of the New Zealand cabinet, will be with us, as well Tanya Tapsell, rising star of politics generally and candidate for the mayoralty in Rotorua. Who may or may not be mayor. So there's, a, there's well, I don't know what the percentages are, but there's a chance that we will be... Uh, doing rangatira to rangatira uh, chat mm. with the new mayor of Rotorua, uh, or just some fucking loser. Hey, Derek and Jan Tanetti's going to tick off me and Ben for that time that we said we didn't know who she was. Yes. 
I don't remember. Did I say? She, did I say I thought she was part of the Maori caucus? <laughs> Maybe I can't remember. What I just remember. Italian? I remember that oh, we right. said, "Who's she? We've never even heard of her." And then, like, we got we got added big time on Twitter. Did you? Yeah. Well, there we go. They got big growlings. Yeah, you get the gags. You get the insights. It just never stops here. Um, the other thing we were thinking of doing is we're going to bring along a, um, a series of sixteen-year-olds. And just interrogate them and laugh, <laughs> laugh at them <laughs> as they weep because that's the that seems to be. I've been practicing on my kids. Yeah, yeah. I had a little bit of Schadenfreude because, like, I always get put up with these, you know, make it sixteen or whatever, and they always bully me on air. And so, <laughs> mm, like, I how do you that. like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> All right. There was a poll last night, which is great. It's like a you know, a, a, like an open fire on a beach. We just gather around it and stare at it and just find sh- weird shapes in it, even when they're not even there. Love that. What, what did it? What did it say? It said that basically, it said everything is as it was. There was no sort of statistical change. I'm just trying to find the actual numbers. Have you got a graph for the yeah. listeners? Um, yep. Oh, should I hold it up? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, yes, uh, National was steady on 37. Labor was up by non-statistically significant 1 point to 34. Greens and Act still on 9. And uh, if those numbers were to prove so on Election Day, then National Act could form government but by one seat. So it's pretty tight. What do you take from it, Annabelle, in your uh, in-depth cephalogical laboratory? Well, I kind of think that both parties might be pleased with it. Hmm. I think that National, you know, obviously it's great for them to see that they could govern with ACT, although I think governing with just a one-seat majority in an MMP parliament is probably not tenable, so they'll need to think about how they make friends with the Māori party. But one thing that I imagine would be concerning them is to see that Christopher Luxon's personal popularity appears to have peaked and to now be slipping, Mm. um, because... We know that when we get into the campaign proper, it's really going to be him against Ardern. And she is a seasoned campaigner. And, you know, if you watch Question Time in Parliament, she usually runs rings around him. So I think they'll be worried that he has perhaps peaked too early. I think there's an perhaps the real party vote race will be between ACT and the Greens. Not that they're, you know, they're going to share. Voters between them, unless you're Brooke Van Weldon. Weldon. Um, but in terms of that undecided vote, who, you know, which of those two parties will be able to pick them up? And of course, the Māori Party look to be in a really key position um, coming into the election. And, and even if it's not a coalition as such, I think to be able to govern with strength and agency, the Māori Party are probably going to have to be there for either side, and it'll be about what those mm. arrangements look like. Well, they've, I mean, they've, they've, said, they've said very clearly that they couldn't countenance the idea of working in any government alongside mm. ACT, haven't they? So, they have, yeah. yeah. Uh, ben, I should, I, should, I should mention that this is a Kantar poll for TVNZ, because they're the ones that spend the money on it, so thank you. 
Kantar and TVNZ. Thanks, Jessica and Mikey. Soon to be ANZPM, which is a whole separate shit show, which we won't get into now. All the polling money will go towards sort of 1970s wall hangings for the new office to bring TVNZ up to speed. (laughs) Sort of the (laughs) Hobson Street TVNZ headquarters will be retrofitted like a sort of 1970s Blake 7 style sci-fi show. (laughs) Just like the Wellington Radio New Zealand office. I'm not sure that any of that cost a great deal of money. Ben, the poll... Do you, if you, if you, who, who would be happier? I mean, I suggested that the Labour might be feeling pretty relieved, mm. that it seems to have stemmed, that it seems to have plateaued. No one delighted, I don't imagine. No, that's right. So the, the momentum, uh, maybe even the honeymoon period uh, for National seems to have kind of, you know, slowed to a crawl slash come to its, its natural end point. Mm. Um, they seem to have gotten all of the, you know, you wouldn't call it easy support, but all of the all of the people who are sort of looking for permission to come home to national, you know, the the people who sort of may have been dismayed by the internal chaos in the party, uh, the the people who are sort of uh, some of the people who are clinging sort of tenaciously to our COVID beating prime minister Jacinda Ardern. And, and now you've got a very, very even left-right split, uh, which probably, re- which really reflects the electorate. And in the past has been sort of disrupted by the presence of parties like New Zealand First, who can kind of you know straddle the aisle or whatever. Um, yeah, I think Annabelle's right. The uh, declining popularity of Luxon in these polls uh, will be a concern. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, that that's, that's sort of the peak of uh, Luxemburgentum or whatever, mm. because he, he will get more attention during the campaign. It, it's a bit of a truism. It's very rare for uh, opposition leaders to be in the same kind of space as the Prime Minister in that preferred PM uh, position. Um, part of it's just familiarity, part of it's name recognition, but part of it seems to be that, you know, there is a, a big incumbency advantage in terms of mm. that preferred number. So I don't think they'll be too worried about that, but they, they will be They will be sort of, there might be a few second thoughts about, you know, why has the momentum stopped? And there's a few reasons for that. Gas is still high, but it's not as high uh, as it has been. Um, you know, there's other challenges in inflation. There's a lot more focus on food inflation right now. Uh, wage growth still isn't really keeping up. Um, you know, interest rates are starting to bite on people. So the factors that the factors along with the change of leadership that have propelled National, you know, haven't really come to a, a halt. Uh, but it seems that the sort of uh, readily made gains have, and now it'll come down to really, you know, the, there's the metaphor of the drag race, uh, which I actually think is misapplied here because the drag race is really when it's between two parties, whereas with ACT and the Greens still polling very strongly. Mm. I, don't, I don't think it quite translates. What about, what about if it's um, outrigger, outriggers yeah. or, 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 or like those, those, what do you call Motorcycles with sidecars? Sidecars. Yeah. What about a wacky a, racist a cartoon Hanna-Barbera. Four-horse race, but, but like with there's the two horse horses. on a horse. 
Yeah, or like there's two horses and then two like miniature ponies. Yeah, it's, it's a Shetland pony riding a horse and they're racing each other. Yes. A, a Shetland pony on a horse <coughs> with the leader of the party on the pony. No, no on the... Yeah, go on. And then there's a waka, which is the Maori party, mm, yeah. but with wings. With wings? <laughs> yeah. Um, the government will probably be pretty relieved. They've had a torrid few weeks. Um, the cost of living payment uh, sort of gradually w- winding its way through most of the po- populated areas of the earth. <laughs> like some kind of 15th century explorer. <laughs> and beneath there. <laughs> In some cases. Um, uh, you know, attracting more sort of uh, <laughs> negative press for that. On the other, you know, but then the upside is that people have now received their second payment, and they've got a third one coming. Um, and that helps. It, and that, it, that's it the, you know the original purpose of God knows it was a hell of a cluster on the way through, but it doesn't change the fact that there are a large cohort of people who have sent some money up to the account. Yeah, and, you know, it will it will stop. Um, that will give the government some pause. But it, it seems as if the sort of... The, the, the natural forces have kind of done their work. Now what, uh, what the government will be, you know, probably having a few sleepless nights about is the world economy... Um, you know, th- things are not going great in Europe. Yeah, well, um, the UK, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the UK I think is interesting in terms of the way the battle lines are drawing up here, right, because uh, National in the last few days have gone on the income insurance as a jobs tax. Mm. And Luxon in the House yesterday was was had a, had a, had a pretty good line, which was given that, uh, given what the government has done with its promised capital gains tax and its uh, tax on KiwiSaver fees, GST tax as it was described, can New Zealanders have hope that they will also reverse the jobs tax, tum to tum. But when you look at the UK um, and what happened there with admittedly a sort of scale difference uh, when you had the mini-budget from Kwasi Gauteng and Liz Truss, which had a, had, as its, its, had, had a big cut in the top tax rate as its headline, uh, and that has caused caused kind of a cratering in some sense, mm. ca- ca- caused, caused the, the, a, a currency crash, and now uh, bonds crashed, and so it basically means that the, the, in terms of the, the cost of the debt is much higher. for the, It backfired quite dramatically. Mm. Is there a danger for National of running the tax cut li- li- line given all of that kind of global economic swirl? There's a danger for both parties here. So with National, uh, it's... You know, it's the, the idea that tax cuts are stimulatory, which which they are, um, then v- versus, um, for instance, uh, if you want to draw an analogy, one of the sort of one of the most interesting aspects of the Liz Trust deal was uh, putting a cap on energy prices. Now, that's that's quite regressive, right? It caps out the amount that everyone pays for their gas in particular, which is you know, skyrocketing right now because of what's happening uh, with Russia and Ukraine. And so it's regressive because poor people will still pay a relatively significant, you know, around sort of like getting up near 50%, the 30 to 50% increase in their uh, energy bills. Rich people will still only pay that amount, 
costs the government a massive amount, huge amount. Um, you know, you're getting into percentages of GDP here, and 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 perversely, it's it it, it doesn't dampen down the demand, which is you know too much. <laughs> you know, and that, 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 that's sort of what causes inflation, right? Too much demand, not enough stuff. So there's where this government could get into trouble with that is, you know, that's essentially what they've done with gasoline on a you know, oil in a you know a much lesser sense uh, by keeping that twenty five cent um, reduction in the excise tax on rather mm. than say targeted assistance to poorer motorists. Right, mm-hmm. so everyone who's filling up their you know 180 sort of litre SUV mm-hmm. gets the same discount that everyone else gets, and they actually get more benefit out of it, and it's stimulatory, right? And the with with you know with the by itself probably not too much of an issue, but if the government you know has gotten a taste for this kind of regulation of prices. Uh, and there's nothing to suggest they haven't, um, then we might see sort of, you know, more action that way, uh, you know, that causes confidence to fall. And the other thing is government spending. So part of the reason the markets reacted so negatively to the trust mini budget was that it still increased borrowing and debt. Um, the government hasn't given, in part because of these big, the big cost of these excise uh, discounts, you know, getting near a billion dollars, and if they extend it through to the election, which they may feel they have no choice to, that's another billion dollars, mm. that doesn't give them a lot of headroom in terms of where they've budgeted for uh, contingencies and, and new operational spending in, in their budget for this year, this coming year. Now, it's an election budget, they'll probably want to sort of, you know, hand out a few treats, win a few votes. So they might be tempted to also borrow more. I think Luxon said that, you know, they, they haven't ruled out borrowing in order to fund tax cuts and the rest of their plan. Well, he sort of was a bit back and forth this morning. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Labour are probably in the same position. So I think the, the sort of perverse electoral incentives... Um, you know, don't necessarily lead us to a good place uh, for either of the major parties. Speaking of government debt, I was amused to see that in the mood of the boardroom survey, one of the key issues of concern identified was government debt, which I thought was ironic given that most of those guys' business models is jacked up around how to pay absolute minimal (laughs) tax. But just coming back to the poll, I think the the takeaway for it from it for Labour is that if you don't do stupid shit, you have a really good chance of winning next the next election against all odds. You know, despite COVID and all of the stuff that they've had to deal with, rising inflation, they have a very good chance. And so mm. they need to be really judicious about what legislation they're pushing through Parliament between now and the election. There's a lot. There's a lot on the plate. Well, it's a fine balance, isn't it? Because there's sort of, you know, do you pick your winners and be cautious? Do you be incrementalist, as Jacinda Ardern has said as her preference in the past? Or... Do you say, well, there's a 50-50 chance we won't be in government. How much stuff do we want to slam through, Mm. uh, get it embedded like they did with the Māori Health Mm. Authority with Health New Zealand uh, in the certain knowledge that uh, National will just sort of go, well, it's too much hassle to unwind it. Um, I think that's where the dumb shit test comes in, doesn't (laughs) it? Because the Māori Health Authority is not dumb shit. The GST on KiwiSaver 
is kind of dumb shit. You know, this is not the argument that you have is at three this waters, point in the electoral Three waters dumb shit. I think three waters. I mean, it literally is. It literally shit. is. I mean, we have to fix our water assets. Like, we have a mm-hmm. massive water asset problem. On the Hui, we do stories all the time about communities that either go without water or they drink brown water or they literally have no water. So something has to be done about it. I don't know if three waters... Income insurance, is that dumb shit? I don't know enough about income insurance. Mm. I mean, this is the problem that that each one of them kind of, you know, each one of these legislative planks has an argument and a group of people that are firmly behind it and a rationale. But whether or not at some point you have to start kind of lightening the load. I thought the the social security system was income insurance, (laughs) so I'm not sure why we need like another one. Like, I don't understand why. Well, we don't it, just well, it, like was, it was the unions and improve the our... Wasn't it? The, 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 um, I mean, the, this is one issue with sort of starting to falter in the polls as the government has, you know, over the past six, uh, well, probably ten months, I guess, uh, which is that, you know, Business New Zealand was on board in co-designing the uh, fair pay agreements. Business NZ was on board co-designing the yeah. income insurance. As National has crept up in the polls and the chances of a centre-right government after 2023, mm. late next year, Business New Zealand has become a little <laughs> less firm in its support. It's almost as if there's been a shift in the, the, the mood of the boardroom, <laughs> you, might, you might say. This is um, the mood of the pod studio, of course. Uh, when, um, Annabelle, the, you mentioned um, the Māori Party and the flying waka in the mm. um, elaborate drag race that we've uh, depicted for our listeners today. Winston Peters is still there on his novelty amphibious shark <laughs> at 3%, <laughs> and he's been at 3% for a couple of years. He's doing, the, he's, doing, he's doing what he's done since time immemorial, which is he's now working the Rotary Clubs, the Lions Clubs. He's going around the country. He's pulling full houses in Walkworth and Tauranga, you know, <laughs> the backbone of the country. <laughs> um, and... and Three percent is not bad. Three percent is not bad, and I think Ben Thomas has ruled him out uh, in contradiction of the, of the the it's first gone. first commandment of New Zealand politics. You know, he's got it. He can, and if you look at some of the other kind of uh, you know the, the 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 various tamaki vehicles and all those sorts of things, there's no reason why he might not. If he gets up to four, then it becomes a serious threshold. Thing. I 100% support Ben. So, I don't so think that he's coming Annabelle back. Annabelle and Ben are both and I don't with think that once we, once he's getting followed know. by cameras and stuff. Really? I don't think that he's going to look very impressive. I don't think he's going to inspire people to come out and vote. Okay. I think he's going to okay. lose his vote to, to act, which is a much slicker machine nowadays. I just don't think he's going to inspire um, another two percent, and he has no seat. So, Ben, are you sticking with your ruling out Winston Peters New Zealand First Party? Sticking with it. He's gone. He's he's buried. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think ACTA succe- have successfully taken up that position. Um, I, I don't think that in this very centrist race, there's going to be uh, much of a call for a handbrake. 
um, presumably at least some of the pool of potential Winston Peters voters uh, will be having lucid moments and will remember that he wasn't, you know, that he, he wasn't particularly much of a handbrake. Mm. But the handbrake, I mean, like in the history of New Zealand Firsts, Relatively short life. The handbrake has only been a relatively recent phenomenon, hasn't it? As a as a concept, I I, I don't know. I don't well, know. No, it's always been keep keep the bastards honest, yeah, right? Yeah, I guess and, so. And uh, you know, I think with with Luxon, if if you were voting to change the government, you know, do you need to vote for Winston Peters for that? Uh, if you were voting to keep Luxon mm. on a short leash, well, is there a need for that? And and if mm. there is, you would probably be going for ACT because ACT have very much. Uh, pared down uh, the prominence of their economic platform, which tends to be less popular, um, and they're they're very much, you know, on on the sort of small government pairing off sort of you know what we'd call waste, um, and you know, in, in getting into this the conser- you know what we might call the conservative, even they come, though they come from from a very uh, liberal point of view, um, social issues, you know, freedom of speech or whatever, and the, the things that you know cranks on um, you know middle aged Facebook are concerned about. Okay, well, look, uh, we can we can listen back to this podcast after the election and see where we were. My prediction, so that we can cut this for um, an edit later on, is Winston Peters will definitely get back into Parliament. My prediction is that Winston Peters is definitely not getting into Parliament. We can grab a take of that. The Sam Uffendale report, the Maria Jew report, Annabelle emerged last week. Um, did it? Yes, did. You were you were you could barely see it through the veil of tears mm. as you mourned our Queen. Oh yeah. Uh, we didn't get we didn't get the report. We didn't get an executive summary. There was, I'm not even sure if the National Caucus got to see much of it. It was sort of different views. Different, <laughs> different views. At one point, it was reported that Uffendale himself hadn't seen the report, but can, then that was later corrected. Oh, can, oh, can, can ben, I? Ben's can raising I, his hand. Can I? So there's been a lot of criticism of this. Where's the transparency? That kind of thing. Um, I would suggest <laughs> that <laughs> let, let me posit a potential scenario in which you you, you would want to not release the report, right? Mm. So the report deals with a very... because, because Is we, this a factually based theory? Or no, no, is this, this, no this, a, is, this is purely speculation okay, ba- yeah. based on what we know mm. publicly, um, because that's all I know. Speculation vibes. And, and, yeah. it's, and it's that people have said, well, we need full transparency. So what, what's happened is Maria Ducasey was invited into... Or, commissioned to look into a very specific time frame and also hear any other complaints. But we've heard that no one else came forward saying that. Well, we don't even really know that because what the scope of the report was. Well, okay, sure. We're going to buy. I mean, and, and, and... when you so so the report presumably its its investigation and findings was confined to the events in a, a flat in Dunedin mm. on a few on a few nights or over a couple of months, um, you know, eighteen years ago. So you, you know, I think Sam Uffendale alluded to the fact that the other flatmates. So you were think it was just about the flat? You don't think it was about the incident at Kings as well? No, because I think that was also it the, was though, no denial of it that. was though, and this was stated clearly. There was. Uh, she uh, Maria Jew was tasked with inviting other reports that, that, right. of any said, sort, and she said I mean, that, not, you know, that there that were no one here, came forward. Yeah, yeah so, so it wasn't it wasn't exclusive. No, 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 no. But but what I mean is, so I think I think everyone had felt that the sort of high school issue was dealt with, and sort of you know a 
perpetual mark of shame on him or whatever. But the the investigation to clear the inquiry was was there anything else? What happened in in the Dunedin flat? When, so Alfendil again alluded to the fact that the other flatmates uh, were were invited to you know be interviewed. You're talking you know probably max a handful of people. Maria Duke Casey concluded that, you know, there wasn't, I don't know, wrongdoing or whatever. This means, but but was at pains to say, I don't think anyone lied, I don't think anyone tried to mislead anyone, you know. Well, so so I, I think you can kind of sort of take from that that there were differing accounts of what happened. Yes. You couldn't really reach any conclusions, you know, hazy memories, young people in a flat, that sort of thing. But you don't want to release a report. You know, you wouldn't want to release a report which said, you know, we spoke to this person who very generously gave her time, you know, and then we found that her story didn't stack up. You know, I mean, that's, that, that's not a good way to treat somebody who's who's done that. Because I don't think, you know, no, there's no suggestion anyone was at fault or anyone, you know, anyone was lying about Why their collections. Why wouldn't you? I mean, it's not like we know who she is. Well, you can redact her name and stuff. So why would also, that actually matter? Also, if she has that said she would like a redacted. She's 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 on the record of saying <coughs> she would like a, a, a redacted version of the report. I mean, it's a tricky. It's a it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, the other the other issue that that raises, Ben and about is where the evidentiary standard or whatever the mm. term is, because. Um, because you know, we saw this with the Labour report, right? It's, it's the, a similar, the, the, there are the two Labor differing report, accounts. The, the Labour report was released. It had adverse findings against the about the complainant's yes. credibility. Yes. And then the complainant. Hang on, which wrote, Labour report are we talking about? This was, this was the and one to about, the Labour staffer. Yeah, a Labour staffer. And and then the complainant's complainant then the, was Then the complainant yeah. you know, came to the spin-off and complained. You know, wrote about their how upset they felt about that report and of the, about its findings. Then. Andrea Vance wrote a column about how the complainant had misled her on factual issues, and you know, is I, I don't, I, I would think that in terms of you know even a complainant-led process, that's not necessarily what you actually want it's, to expose it's, people. It's, to. I think that wouldn't prevent you from releasing the executive summary, particularly when when the person has said that they're okay with it. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Look, yeah. I mean, I mean, one of the one of the interesting things was in, around the release of that report was whether or not it would prompt anyone else to come forward with anything, and so far that seems not to have happened. And so, on a political level, it feels as though this one is probably going to fade into the background a bit. Mm. I mean, obviously, the problem is that it. it you know, there's a credibility issue for National. You've got Simeon Brown who's taking on. Nanaya Mahuta demanding transparency, and that's fair enough. Like, pe- people are, are, are entitled to transparency and accountability. And then on the flip side, you've got them not even making public what the scope of it was, what the executive summary of it is. So it will fade into the background. But again, it's a bit like Sam himself getting up and doing his maiden speech about youth crime and stuff when you've been alleged, allegedly like beating up kids yourself and I think the problem with national for national in the long term is that they their vote is skewing male and they really need to get women voters on board and the handling of issues like this make it difficult for them to win back the vote 
the votes of women. And, and here's the thing, like women care about what happens to their kids. Women want to feel safe in their flats and all of those things. So while it will seep, it will fade into the background, actually I think that it will resonate a little longer in the, in the minds of, of women. Oh, look, I, I certainly think that, you know, the allegations and, and the sort of the general tenor of the issue will probably be with Uffindal for a long time um, and voters will make their decisions about that uh, and I think people within the party will make their decisions you know, with, with that sort of knowledge informing it. In terms of uh, the comparison I think with either you know, the investigation into, or the inquiry or, uh, by the Public Service Commissioner into Nanaya Mahuta's alleged conflicts of interest or, or, or uh, apparent conflicts of interest um, and and also the comparisons that were made with you know say youth justice for instance, you know I I think there is a bit of context to collapse there you know the the basis for the inquiry into uh, Nanaya Mahuta's uh, alleged alleged apparent conflicts of interest. It's more the questions of that, as much of the declarations that's the, that's of those a, conflicts. Well, that's about the, the cabinet manual. Yeah, the cabinet manual lays out a very strict process for dealing with apparent conflicts of interest because, as it says correctly, apparent conflicts of interest are just as important as you know direct conflicts of interest or actual conflicts of interest because. You know, if something seems like it might be a conflict of interest, you can't just then take their word for it. You know, now in terms of a report into the National Party to see whether they think he's a person of good character to be an MP, you know, there's a little, a little more leeway in terms of transparency there, and, but, but voters can make their own decisions. In terms of the Cabinet Manual, you know, it's very, it's very clear. Um, now, I personally, I've, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily think there's any obvious hanging offence here. The... If, if Nanai Mahuta's husband is reputed to be an expert in sort of dozens of different areas of sort of public service endeavour, then that would only make him about the same as all the consultants that I've dealt with from PwC and, <laughs> and uh, you know, in, in, in different government and private projects who all seem to be apparently fucking experts in everything. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, you do, I think there was one where there was, I think, a direct conflict, um, which was the appointment of uh, a woman who was identified as her niece, she identified as her niece, that she appointed to the Hair Pua Pua uh, sort of task force or whatever that wrote that report. Um, and the cabinet manual is sort of just dead set on that one. You know, I don't, I don't see any way around that. So what, we, what, we, what we've shifted into... Can I just is- come back to what you said, Ben, like... Yes, they're two different issues, but in the mind of the average voter, transparency is transparency, and I don't think they'll read a lot of conflict, a, a, a lot of um, context into it. Yeah, but I, but, but <coughs> yeah, I, th- I think in terms of transparency, in terms of the cabinet manual, and in terms of conflicts, we have to have a different standard from just what the average voter thinks, because I've seen a lot of this in terms of asking Simeon Brown, well, what about nationals' conflicts of interest? you know, or alleged conflicts of interest or apparent conflicts of interest in government. And I would say, so what? I mean, those should have, those should have been, and in some cases were, subject to extreme scrutiny, just as anyone else was. But this is, this is not an issue about, is National getting an advantage, is Labour getting an advantage, and it's just between the two of them to sort out. It's actually in the public interest. No, uh, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just saying that it creates a, a credibility problem for... National when they're demanding transparency, and rightly so, rightly so on certain issues, but then they're not being transparent 
as transparent as they could be around the Sam Uffindale issue uh, 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 in the mind of the average voter. And about on the on the Nanaimahutu thing, just to, just in case people aren't, haven't caught up with this one, Peter Hughes has said he's going to look into it, the Public Services Commissioner. He's going to look into these uh, uh, purported conflicts of interest related to her husband and <coughs> across a range of different government ministries, I think there's three or four. Um, is this, a, is this inevitable? Is it the right thing? Do you think there has been a nastiness or an, that has filtered through some of the commentary on this? Yeah, well, let me preface this conversation by saying there's absolutely been a racist undertone to a lot of the commentary that we've seen online, not necessarily the reporting, but definitely the commentary on places like Twitter. Yeah, for sure. I, it's I, been unacceptable. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty gross. Um, I think that it is the right thing to have an inquiry or an investigation. I think it's a shame it didn't happen sooner. Mm. If we're to look back at Nanaya's track record, she's pretty squeaky clean. There's not a whole lot of skeletons in her closet. You know, she, she's known as a as a an above board um, player. So I think in some ways it's been a mistake to let this issue just keep simmering away under the surface instead of like cauterising it mm. earlier. So I think it's a good thing that, that there's going to be an inquiry. You know, and and some of the things that we're talking about, like it's a really quite a specific skill set that they're looking for that aren't widely held and quite community specific as well. So it, I don't think that it's particularly scandalous that people like her niece, a lot of these you know, these people have incredible reputations for the mahi that they do, um, you know, have got these contracts. But, you know, we we have to, um, politicians have to be um, scrupulous in the way that they not only declare their conflicts of interest mm. but, but manage them. So I think an inquiry is a good thing. I, I imagine that she will probably more than likely come out Claire, I just think it's a shame that it didn't happen sooner so she hasn't um, had to, um, so we haven't had to listen to the quite racist rhetoric that's bubbled up around this. Ben, in, ben, in, yeah. in, in, in the nature of New Zealand, a relatively small country, in particular sectors, communities, industries, whatever, I, mean, I, was, I, I interviewed Nick Smith the other week and had a quite a long, uh, interesting chat with him about Smith Cranes and concrete, uh, which is the family business, him and his brothers, yeah. and they're building wind farms, and they've done wind farms for a long time, and they're the only one with the cranes big yeah. enough. And, of course, you know, when Nick Smith was in government contracts, there was absolutely no suggestion that there was anything wrong that happened there. There's just only so many people who have the big cranes. No, for sure. And, and look, in terms of perception, so a lot of this is about perception, but mm. it is important that we get the perception right. Yeah. It's yeah. very important that these conflicts, because we're such a small country, mm-hmm. are properly managed. Agree. The, now, that example that I talked about with her niece on the the thing, that was just a violation of the cabinet manual dead set to rights um, and they need to apologise for that and you know, and show that they've learned something from it. And that's the, this is the Prime Minister's job, right, to police the cabinet manual and the cabinet secretary. So that was a failing there. And these other ones, yeah, look, I, I think... She's busy policing Mortimer's chocolate. I suspect it will... Yeah, look, I suspect it will probably come out all right. 
in terms of some of these conflicts that we do talk about, and, you know, for instance, I think Labor brought up Witta Gardner, Sir Witta Gardner, RAP. Actually, actually National appointed. brought up Sir yeah. Witta Gardner. It was yeah. your, your former boss who uh, raised the yeah. fact that Witta got... Uh, well, oh, I don't was yeah. That's right. Yeah. And the thing is, so so here here is just some free PR advice for anyone who is a consultancy across myriad areas and wants to get and and you know and wants to get contracts from government departments. Just set up your polymathic consultancy just a little bit before your partner <laughs> becomes a minister of the ground. If you've got a track record of even like eighteen months. People will ask fewer questions. That's right? advice from uh, it's just, Ben just, Thomas just for optics and right? the bloom <laughs> for this. Do you get that for free? I got the festival was yeah, described I, as a PR maven. Okay, yeah. I, so, I, was I, it Raven? I forget which. Maybe it was both at one I, point. I got to go anyway. Yeah, we're going to uh, wind this up. Um, I just want to apologise to the Real Pod. It's definitely a thing, and we know it's a thing. It's a great podcast. Have you had a chance to catch Real Pod lately, Ben? You've been so busy, Ben. I'm worried you haven't been getting your Real Pod. Fans. I'm extremely busy, but I always listen to the Real Pod. Um, it's available on all. Uh, podcast providers, as is uh, this podcast, which you probably know. Why don't you give us 10 stars and a lovely review? Thanks, TI. Here, thanks, members. Thanks, Bells. Ben is leaving the building. Thanks for running away. Bye. Kia ora e te iwi. Te ai he butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.